start recording, so we're recording now, too. But, um, so the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. So anybody who, you know, you always hear, well, the lion lays down with the lamb. Well, no, the wolf dwells with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. Yeah. We just kind of summed that up, picked two, one of the predators, one of the... Right? The, the, I know. It, wow. And ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when really, it's so much richer than that, too, because it's not... Because when you think about the lion laying down with the lamb, you're like, oh, it's it's over, and they're they're just napping together or something, you know, but... The wolf is dwelling with the lamb. This means they're awake. They're they're actually together yeah, yeah. without that predator fear and that predator drive. So he's vegetarian. That's right. Well, yeah. And like like in the garden. It's it's a picture of the restoration of the garden. It must be gonna change the vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> and a little child shall lead them. Yes. But, and, and, you know, people want to quote that all out of context, too, because really what this is saying is that the wolf and the lion and the leopard, along with the lamb, the goat, and the calf, mm -hmm. they're so safe that a child is leading them. Yeah. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. See, there you go. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Mm. So, not at all talking about the church handling, or the snake handling crazy churches that I really, really think that very often God has intense mercy over... <laughs> Over a thing, I mean, when people do things, not that their faith makes it happen, but I think when they really truly believe they're doing the right thing, sometimes no matter how crazy it is, God just steps in and goes, okay, we're going to keep you alive another day <laughs> because this doesn't say go stick your hand in an adder's den. Right. It's well, saying that there will be no fear and and all of the all of the dynamic of of predator prey fear survival i mean that 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 will all be gone in the end well when you there's this comes, there's this idea of now and not now and not yet yeah. that that a lot of times you'll hear talked about with paul um because there's a reason that the story of paul sticking his hand in the sticks and getting bit by an adder right. is included because yes, he has come, but not everything has been manifested yet, if you will. Like it, it's finished. It's all accomplished, but it was all accomplished at the beginning too. I mean, right. the cross breaks through time. It, it, it goes back to front. <clears throat> we have not gotten to the point where we've experienced the understanding of the manifestation because, you know, it's his timing. <clears throat> so they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. 
And 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 this is I want to point out this that is one of the reasons why a lot of Jews will say well he couldn't have been the Messiah because all these things didn't happen. Yeah. Except that they began. And and there has never been an idea within I mean when you read the New Testament there is always this idea of there will be a return when things are are completed for our sake, you know, where we're brought into that. And the idea being that that one of our purposes and one of the things we're supposed to be focusing on is he's done all these things and it's our job to partner with him in bringing them about. So he has he has brought peace. But unless we partner with that and actually are peaceful, then, then we will not see that peace. Does that make sense? So in our personal relationships, because we have free will, we can either partner with what God has done or not. And we will experience the fruit of that. But we can partner with what God has done. And that's, that's the good news. You know, if the good news is just that you were saved from the law, none of this makes sense. But if the good news is say that you were saved from the power of sin and death and you are now free to live the life that he has called you to live, that means you have the ability to partner with him in bringing about this peace on the earth. So they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people. From Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. A lot of people see the establishment of Israel as a nation in the, in the 40s as being that, you know, that signal that called everybody back because when no one would take the Jewish people in during and after World War II, and yet Israel was there, they started flooding back from all these places. Um, and, you know, we'll assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart. Okay. So in light of all the, and I know you guys encountered this because you guys are studying people, the whole Ephraimite movement thing and all the focus on who's Ephraim and the other tribes and the difference between Israel and, and Judah and blah, 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 blah. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart. It should not even be something that we, yeah. you know, we'll start doing out, let it go. <laughs> you know Let's stop. That's not the, why are we focusing on stuff that divides? Why are we focusing on, you know, and, and I know that there has been a lot of 
that's been done to try and mollify those ideas and kind of, well, no, but I just mean in a historical, the roots of it are not good. The roots of it have to do with the beginning of the messianic movement and the whole Jewish people having a higher status in the different congregations. So the non-Jewish people came back with, well, we must be descended from Ephraim. Prove it. You know, it's like it's a neat theory because you don't actually have to ever support it with anything. So. But was Ephraim truly jealous, though? Well, it's the whole idea with Ephraim and Manasseh of the switching of the hands and, you know, and where the, the temple was in Judah, not the fake temple was in Ephraim. You know, and and at this, you know, I and I've also heard other people talking about how originally the worship was in Ephraim, and then it was moved to Judah with the temple. So there, it's, you know, so any of this, any of, the, but it's it's any of the things that cause us to be out of unity with each other. Yeah. You know, I I think very specifically this with Ephraim and Judah. But even more so, the things that divide us in the body, the things that pull us out of unity with each other, the petty clashes, the power and, you know, the power struggles and the, and the, you know, I would say any church that is focusing so much on who has the right to be in charge has completely missed the boat because they're having the total wrong discussion. You know, if everybody, if everybody in the body were working to outserve each other, there will be no stopping anybody. Yeah. So Ephraim shall not be. Someone going to say something? Okay. Is it no. Okay. No, I just didn't want to cut someone off. Um, so those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. Total unity. You know, there's that picture of the two. Yes, the hands were switched and the sticks were in the hands, but then there we're told, I think it's in Jeremiah, talks about the hands, the sticks coming together. The issue isn't who had which stick, it's the fact that they're going to come back together. But they shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the West, and together they shall plunder the people of the East. They shall put out their hand against Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites shall obey them. So see, as long as they're divided and fighting each other, they're impotent. When they move beyond that and unite, then they're impacting the rest of the world. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the Sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it into seven channels. And he will lead people across in sandals, and there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people, as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. So he's going to make the way for them to return, and it will be miraculous. So the second half is the Lord is my strength and my song was the... Oh, I guess... Oh, it's chapter 12. I think it's just one through three. So you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. 
I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. God became our salvation in Yeshua. He literally became the one who would fix this problem. You know, he was angry and there was sin and we were divided and he saw the problem and knew we couldn't fix it, so he, he fixed it. So when, you know, when John is saying we love him because he first loved us, yeah. he's the one who made this happen. You know, th this is the imagery that he's drawing on. God is my salvation. And with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So this is, this is the whole idea of sharing the gospel. I mean, th this is what they were saying it was time to do, to go to the ends of the earth and proclaim... <laughs> And proclaim what God has done. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with convincing people <coughs> that they have to do this or understand that or, you know, lead them into some place of... The whole point of the gospel is going and saying, I am so grateful to God. Watch so I'm, me. So I'm curious, though, uh, with the, um, the Hebrews, the Jews, mm -hmm. Sometimes, well, I think this is one of the places. I think this is one of the places where the the Jewish Bible, the translation of the Jewish Bible, after Israel became a state. If you have an older copy. There are verses, and I believe this is one of the places where this happened, but I'd have to go back and look specifically. Okay. But there are verses that were incredibly messianic. And then when Israel became a state, the translations were shifted slightly so that they appear to be talking about Israel as a state. Now, Based on the bigger context of all of this, I think that there's an argument to be made that Israel becoming a state is part of the fulfillment of all of this. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you make things about Israel instead of the bigger context of Messiah, mm -hmm. then you kind of shift the focus disingenuously. You know, you kind of miss the point. Forest for the trees kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, from the things that I've read and the things that I've looked into, a lot of the early Zionists who fought for Israel to become a state were actually Messianic believers. There's, there's a lot of, um, there were definitely a lot of Christians involved in it. 
uh, it's a fascinating thing to dig into the history of and the lives of the different people who were key players in it. Uh, but they definitely, because, and the whole anti-Zionist movement is based on the idea that that's not supposed to happen until Messiah comes. Right. And the Zionist movement, basically, a lot of the, the position there being, but he has. So it's, it's supposed to happen. So reading into that is, is kind of fascinating and, and really looking at, and, and one of the things that is really, is really important is when you, when you're, you know, listening to the stories of Jews and the testimonies of Jews and those who remain Jews who believe in Messiah, um, like a lot of times the rabbis who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, they're not preaching that specifically. And when they're asked about it, they'll say things like, well, it's my job. The, my job as rabbi is to keep our community together while we're in, in dia diaspora. God will work out salvation with them. You know, and there, there's definitely this community schism where in Judaism, the idea is you focus on living rightly and you trust God to save people. Whereas in a lot of subcultures of Christianity, there's this idea that you focus on saving people and then you trust God to teach them to live rightly. And so... You know, so so somebody who stays within the Jewish community, who's who's a believer, isn't necessarily going to be declaring all these things. Which is why when Jews for Jesus started, it was trying to kind of brand, you know, build this bridge, and it kind of ended up. I mean, it, it did in some ways, and in other ways, it caused issues. And then the growing messianic movement had this chance to be this bridge, but then this, you know, the challenges within it kind of. And and so, you know, one of my beliefs and one of my thoughts has always been that I don't know that you can have a movement that bridges. I think it has to be people, and I think it has to be each of us when we're in contact with our neighbors and, and being all things to all people, you know, and that we love them for who they are and we, we want to understand who they are and we want to embrace them with a, a sensitivity to their culture so that we have opportunities to share Yeshua as opposed to going out and acting like none of those things matter. If you just accept Yeshua, you'd see how stupid it all is. And that's not how people generally function. Generally, the people willing to do that have no investment and love for their culture or community. Um, and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, ten, in the last 10 to 20 years, a lot of missionary ideas have shifted from, you know, you go in and you start declaring the gospel and you get people saved as quick as you can to going in and living amongst the people until some representative from the elders comes to you and says, why, why are you here? You know, and maybe it's, maybe it's 10 different questions that they ask you getting to, well, what is it you believe? Yeah. Because what they found is when they went in all gangbusters, the people that were getting saved right away were all of the outcasts of the community. And then once they were saved, the community as a whole wanted nothing to do with it. You know, those are all the people we banished. You can have them. <laughs> but when they went in and, 
And when they would take in the people who were on the outskirts of the community, when it's done more organically, right. and and then over time people see the change in those people, and they see you investing in the community, and then they they start wondering what what's going on over there. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's just a, it's a very different approach, and I it's not that I am. It's not that I would ever come out and say that the approach of the traditional evangelical community is wrong. I think it may be an idea whose time has passed. I think that it is limited in its ability to accomplish its stated goal. And I think that more of the same isn't going to give us different results. So... You know, so that's so that's a big that's a big part of it. It's not that it's not that Jews like Jews who remain Jewish and remain in the Jewish community. It's not that none of them believe in Yeshua. It's that the approach sometimes looks so different that you don't necessarily recognize it unless you know the people. So, so that was yeah, chapter twelve. That's why I did chapter twelve because it was three three little verses. <laughs> Well, it was to the. It's a distilled. It's a distilled chapter. Distilled. It's distilled. Distilled down to like with when they distill alcohol and they take all the stuff out and it's pure alcohol and it's distilled down to this. This is the gospel. Go out and say what Jesus did for you. Yeah. Go out to the ends of the earth and talk about how much you love him. Yeah. Go out and tell people how awesome. He has changed your life. Yeah. That's the gospel. Right. The good news is, look what he's done for me, and he wants to do it for you too. So on that note, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. And that was a pretty power-packed passage for us to be done early. <laughs> <All right. laughs>